Hello, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and on the detail today we're talking about what has happened this year in building. I'm heading out to West Auckland to meet John Tukey from AUT, he's kind of a building expert and on my way I'm just, I'm going to count up how many buildings are actually under construction. And right across the road from me, that's the second one I've seen in just five minutes of driving. And I've just driven for a minute, and here's another one on my left. And again, it is a site with multiple townhouses. And there's another one. So that's a fourth site with, again, multiple units on it. I can see one, two, three storeys along St Luke's Road. In many cases, people's life savings. And how apt that on my way out, I've got the radio on, and a correspondent from China is talking about the massive failure of Evergrande, which of course has flowed on to New Zealand. Hi John, how are you? Nice to see you. Oh, good to see you. <laughs> we can shake hands, can't we? Yeah, I think we can do that. That's so legit. Because um, we spoke on the phone the other day that, about the, uh, the things that are happening, but. Um, Evergrande? Ever, Evergrande yeah. defaulted today. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> just sort of heard it on the going. radio. And actually, I started recording it because I thought, wow, this is so apt. Yeah, well, it was just perfect time. I'm looking at it again. Hey, um, while we're here, let's just describe a little bit of where we are. This is out West Auckland, West Gateway. Yep. Um, you know, you look through between those two brand new houses, you look through and there's a beautiful patch of farmland over there, and I guess that's the Waitakere Ranges looking yes, it further is. out. Yes, it is indeed. Over to our right, there's a big mound of dirt, so there's obviously going to be some more that's development going on further development there. taking place, uh, and this whole... There's, uh, there's multiple hectares of development land that is being sorted out just now. So we're going to see more of this? Absolutely more, more of, of this. More of this, which is what, I mean, how do you describe well, it, what, this one of the, development? One of, the, one of the nice things about the uh, development that you've got here is it's not a monoculture, so you haven't got everything all the same, because those sorts of um, chocolate box type of mm, uh, houses Coronation are, Street. Uh, are not necessarily what people want to have, which is good. One of the things you'll start to see more of increasingly are these uh, three-storey uh, designs of houses. Some of them are traditionally built, mm. but a lot of them, have, uh, they, they have prefabricated the panels big. within them. There's that increasing utilisation of prefab solutions, mm. which, are, as I say, is, is going to ultimately deliver houses faster, of a higher quality, and a, of a more... Uh, high performance capability, you know, just in terms of thermal insulation. Okay, so. yeah. There are some good indicators that we're actually on the right roads. As and as. do you have any idea how much they're selling for? I know what they were. This is going back uh, about five, six months now. They were selling at that time for about seven hundred and sixty, seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars. The more recent moves in the market would indicate that they will be in excess of 800. No. So not affordable houses? It's a wonderful word, affordable. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, in, in the Auckland context, they, they would be perceived to be modest, reasonably priced properties. How would you describe what this year has been like for building? <laughs> Curate's egg, good in parts. Um, <laughs>
There's been so many things happen. And it's like sitting in freeway traffic with it, with it just <laughs> rushing past you. Where did the 2021 go? What just happened? <laughs> it's been very difficult, obviously, because the the lockdown effects have, have massively impinged upon the productive capacity of the sector as a whole. So you've got all of the consents in place, but then everything gets stops because obviously the, there's an immediate hiatus associated with lockdown, and you can't get staff on site, and all the other things. So we've lost a, a substantial amount of productive capacity, and that's going to have an effect down the track. Flip side is, is, of course, there's been a massive injection of money into the economy with, uh, from government, which in many ways has driven a lot of the uptick in their house prices as well because of the, the tendency to inflate asset values. So that's one thing, mm-hmm. but there's been many more things. The supply chain... Oh, well, supply chain, <laughs> another great story. The building industry is grappling with a shortage of building supplies. The increase in demand for materials pushing pressure on the supply chain. Shipping companies are charging more to get goods into and around the country. We import so much of our productive comestibles, consumables and so on from overseas. There's a, a volume of uh, capacity in the supply chain has been taken out as a result of ship runners uh, re- retiring capacity from the chain. We've dropped off the list of uh, central ports to go to. So now a lot of the stuff that we're getting coming into the, the country is coming via another destination, usually Australia. If you have assets that you want, if you can't rely on the asset, it's no longer an asset, it's a liability. Um, what do you mean by that in terms of building? If I commit myself to a programme of build and I schedule the delivery of certain product at certain times and it doesn't arrive, then it, it totally wrecks the programme of build. We're here in this big housing development now. Can you give me an example of how that plays out here, where, you know, the building is actually going on? Very simply, you're just going to have buildings that are either uh, not closed in or partially complete for much longer. It, It adds to everything. If you haven't closed in a building fully and it's no longer, it's not weathertight, Um, then you're prone to uh, potential storm damage or wet damage or whatever it may be on the stuff that's already in situ. If you are looking at uh, any other long-term unfinished build over a period of time, then you're adding to the financing costs associated with, uh, with delivery of the project as well. You're just literally having to pay more money for longer. So what's, what's happening is somebody somewhere has to pay the piper and that somebody always ends up being the customer <laughs> in the final analysis. All right. What's wrong with the infrastructure here? It looks pretty good to me. You know, the f- new footpaths, new roading. Yep. That sort of stuff is part and parcel of going through property development. The, the problem fundamentally, though, is the roading system that supplies this area. Let me tell you, if, if you could have been here for the first thing in the morning to see the chaos that is uh, that's forthcoming as a result of people actually trying to physically get out of their properties to get to work, uh, queuing to get onto the local feeder roads and all the other things that occur here. It's truly awe-inspiring. I mean, the, the out in the western suburbs, uh, out towards Kumu in particular, monstrous traffic jams, even on a weekend, uh, most of tail traffic. And that's because there's been so much more new housing. Yeah, there's tens of thousands of homes around Kimu, around Huapai, uh, but that housing stock has to be built on something. So I suppose in one way you could say, well, they're getting on with it, they're building these houses that the country desperately needs, and and that is is happening this year. That's great. And we've seen massive growth over the last 
decade. You know, you're talking about a 16 to 17 percent year-on-year growth rate function for housing infrastructure here in uh, in Auckland. Um, but that tremendous growth brings growing pains. Mm. Trying to sustain a 10, 15 percent uh, increase on an annual basis, tremendously difficult. Throw into the mix global financial crisis. Throw into the mix the uh, lockdowns associated mm. with COVID. Mm. All of the additional drag factors that come into play at that point hugely challenging for industry to cope with and that's where we we are at at the moment that's where we're standing at the moment this time last year how were things looking compared with now they were very similar and scroll forward to where we are now businesses adapt quite quickly when there's money on the line so this most recent lockdown has has been less impactful than the first time this time it was a case of people dusting off procedures and saying, oh yes, we've done this before, let's just carry on in this particular way. That having been said, not exactly on the catastrophe curve, but there's always a sense that how long can this keep going for? There's a lot of things happening in the world at the moment. Today we, we saw Evergrande missing its first debt repayments. China's property giant Evergrande has defaulted on its debt. Evergrande has about $300 billion in liabilities and many investors knew it was only a matter of time before the company ran out of cash to pay its bills. There's a hell of a lot of uh, Chinese investors who are invested in, in New Zealand and in Auckland real estate. What's, what effect is that going to have? Are we going to see projects pulled? Are we going to see you know, purchase of development land tailing off? We've already yeah. seen the development land um, in the most recent Ray White auctions down in the, in the south. Yeah. And there was an increase in the numbers of pass-ins at the end of the land sales. Um, and you think it goes back to Evergrande? Well, I think there are, there's a lot of connected points here. There's a lot of people looking at and saying, are we at peak development? You know, are we at the, t- the tipping point? Are we at the inflection point? What do you mean by peak development? Are you saying that this we're at the peak in terms of the building activity that's going on at the moment? Well, peak development uh, can mean a, a range of different things. Acquisition for uh, development, land banking type activities. And, and actually, you know, physically what we as a society can support financially in terms of development activities taking place. You know, there, there is only so much um, you can squeeze out of any one system mm. before uh, things start to break. As a nation, we need to invest in our productive capacity in order to be able to meet an expanding industrial requirement. Mm. Now, you'll see certain um, businesses which are doing that, and that's fine. So there's been recently a, a very large-scale investment by um, Winston Warboards in a plant down in Taranga. Um, this tends to be outside the norm. Uh, most people or most organisations have a tendency just to eke a little bit more out of the assets that you have. Mm. So you put on an extra shift, you work a longer day, whatever, just to get that little bit more out. That does not represent investment. Mm. Oh, and by the way, the harder you squeeze a system, the more you try to wring out of a particular productive process, the more likely things are to break. Um, which I, I don't wish to sound gloomy, and, I, and I, this is not intended to be gloomy, it's just a representation of reality. We are not uh, an intensive manufacturing country per se, therefore we, have, we are reliant on, on importation for certain products. There is only so much we can realistically invest in, there's only so much we can realistically deliver. Um, and we're reliant on importation as a result. Right. Hence the issues about supply, supply chain that we're yeah. talking about. 
Right, so um, has anything good happened this year? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good things have happened, yeah. People have moved into houses and, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. Um, no, we've seen a, a significant uptick in consenting going through. We have seen an increase in land acquisitions for development purposes. Awful lot of developed and improved land as you came in here. We are creating a resource for the future. Right, I'm off now to see Julian Lays. He's the head of the Building Industry Federation. Uh, and I want to find out what's ahead. I know that there's the Commerce Commission investigation. There's also the new regulations that seem to be vexing a lot of people, allowing multi-level dwellings. But first, I want to get the latest on the supply chain crisis. The feeling is still pessimistic, uh, particularly with the impact it's having on, on consumers with pricing. And I think ASB's just come out with some research in the last sort of few days to indicate that. Uh, so it's still going to be tough, I think, in terms of the cost of building, the cost of materials going up. But there is light at the, at the end of the tunnel. And so what we are seeing globally is some indices such as the Baltic Dry Index, and the World Freight Container Index, which are showing that there's a slight um, drop-off in terms of delays and uh, the movement of goods. So that, that's encouraging, because I think it means that we might enter a period into 2022, say July, August, when the delays that we've been seeing and the time it takes to, to get goods particularly will improve. Not necessarily pricing, though. And New Zealand kind of has its own special problems with the supply chain because we're at the bottom of the world and, and shipping companies can just cross us off the list even though they were scheduled to come here. Yeah, and, uh, and that's, that's one of the very surprising things. I think that's been a real wake-up call for New Zealand in that, you know, in the age of the internet, everything was sort of connected and just-in-time delivery what COVID taught us is that actually isolation, our relative isolation, also is, was a bit of a curse. It just means that we have to get a little bit more creative too, both in terms of planning, but also what are the other alternatives. So there has been some work looking at break bulk shipping. Those things, other than containerisation, we can still bring goods into the country. So I, I think the upside to that is that we will be more re resilient and will be, I guess, a little bit more cleverer in terms of how we work our supply chains. Would that be the toughest thing you've had to deal with this year? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The only other thing I think that, that will be up there with the, the supply chain will be climate change, which is what, we'll, you know, what we are seeing impacting every aspect of, of the economy, including the supply chain. But by far and you know, ahead of any of the rest, I think the disruption, uh, the extent of the uh, delays and cost increases... And also some people that I think have actually either lost homes or even potentially gone out of business, in fact they have gone out of business, that's terrible. And it's obviously not over yet. Do you mean like builders going out of business? Yes, yeah, absolutely. There have definitely been some of the smaller builders that I think have um, just found it too hard in, in terms of some of the uh, projects they've been on or they've walked away from uh, contracts that they haven't been able to fulfil in terms of builds. Um, and, and this is the whole impact on fixed price contracting, which is now uh, pretty much out of date because if you're dealing with increases in cost of materials every two weeks, 
then uh, you know you can't get caught out. People are moving to um, variable contracts and. Well, there is a move now to fluctuation contracts just to cater for the increase in, in pricing uh, because prices are going up every two weeks. Every two weeks? Wow. Yeah, yep. and that's often not long enough for uh, clients to actually ha- have enough time to make a decision. And so you know, by the time they've actually made a decision, the prices have gone up again. In your role, what kind of things have, had, have you had to deal with relating to the supply chain crisis? Actually, one of the worst things was when Auckland went into level four and the rest of the country was in level three, that split that we had, we had never anticipated. And then because Auckland is the engineering powerhouse for for New Zealand in terms of building supply chain, we couldn't move anything out of warehouses to the rest of the country who were waiting on plumbing supplies, steel mesh, structural timber. We had anticipated that warehouses in Auckland would be able to operate with COVID protocols and send product into Alert Level 3 region. As things stand, the supply chain is not open, so tradies may be ready to build, but have little to build with. Until we got the exemption from government a couple of weeks into that sort of 107, 108 days that we had, and that definitely helped because it it then saw uh, some essential materials like insulation and other things flow into the rest of the country so they could actually carry on the bills. Mm. But it only covered um, a small number of materials, so there were still lots of others that weren't included. We've we've really had to also make adjustments so that we're, um, I guess, diversifying our risk away from just relying on one particular supplier and one market. Now I think many of the people in the building and construction industry have many more suppliers in addition to, I think they've also moved to local manufacturing in some cases, which, which again is another positive. But where previously people would have not, say, gone and um, bought, for example, taps from a local manufacturer because it might have been 10% more costly because our labour costs and whatnot mm. are higher in New Zealand, that's no longer a problem because it's the certainty of supply. So 50,000 consents this year... A record. This is for houses, so it could be an apartment. Residential. Or it could be residential, yeah. okay. Yeah. But that isn't the number that's actually being built, right? No, it's, so it'd be a lot, a lot less than that. Again, because of the current issues that we've got, and we haven't spoken yet about labour, but if you look at some of the um, forecasts for migration in New Zealand, it's going to remain flat for some time, which means that we're not going to get the skilled labour that we need, and the sector has done research which shows that we're about 50,000 people short over the next couple of years in terms of what we need. Mm. Uh, I think I've mentioned previously, you know, SEEK, if you go into SEEK, there's thousands of construction roles which are just there, which can't be filled. Mm. Yeah, I I think while we've got this this ongoing demand, we're also going to have the reality with increased inflation now, lack of skilled labour, rising mortgage rates, that that demand will taper off and some of these... Um, but these builds and projects won't won't get completed. Labour, what can be done about it? Well, I think because we've had sixty construction workers per month coming in through MIQ. Only sixty. Only sixty. Um, the industry has has come forth with solutions, such as doing you know private MIQ. I think the only answer must be to 
to extend and broaden and get a lot more workers in. It's the only way uh, because you know while we have made really good changes to vocational education, it's all going to take years for, for that to translate into actually people on the ground. Mm. I actually do see the lack of skilled labour as being what the biggest uh, stumbling block to progress in the built environment, way more so than the um, building supply chain issue. The government is reviewing the high cost of residential building supplies. A year-long study by the Commerce Commission will look at long-standing concerns about a lack of competition in the sector. That is also going to look at things, for example, such as, you know, are there ways in which we can bring a new product into the country? So they'll, they'll be looking at everything, not just the sort of market concentration. So... It's all very well to say to look at market concentration, but I think you've got to be cognizant that the market as such is very, very competitive. You know, we have, for example, six, at least six national merchant chains, whereas Australia, with 25 million people, has two. So it is, it is very, very competitive. Mm. It'll just be interesting to see <clears throat> where the Commerce Commission decides to focus its study. Developers have told MPs they do not want a housing density bill that gives them open slather across swathes of suburbia. And Aniwi has told urgent select committee hearings the proposed legislation is a disgrace. It is going to be a big problem on several fronts. So quite apart from the fact that I think it's, it's going to add to the demand that we've already got for multi-level dwellings in terms of extra demand on supplies. Mm. What people haven't thought about is going to be the impact on light. So it's going to have an effect on light and amenity value mm. and quality of life. Uh, I think it's also going to see, unfortunately, a loss of character or heritage. What's the mood of people in the industry? I think the industry wants to just get going. But generally, look, very positive. Um, they're keen to keep everyone safe and vaccinated, keen to work within guidelines, but less keen to, to go into lockdown again and have these sort of restrictions again, which really makes life very difficult, including, I've got to say, for the sector um, and the country as a whole, the whole mental health dimension is, is a big one. Um, you know, when you've got construction workers at home on the couch, not able to be on site and get the regular income that they're used to, it has a big impact on mental yeah. health. How would you describe this year? It's been a grind. I don't think, again, uh, people probably expected 2021 to be as hard um, as it's been because we, we had the initial shock uh, with the pandemic last year and then came out of that with a great deal of enthusiasm and, and vigour and this year has been much more about the realisation that actually it's going to be a longer uh, slog to get through this. The, the industry is it's in a good position at the moment. I, I think there's some warning signs. Interest rates, supply chain, skills, those are the sorts of things which will impact dramatically on confidence. And like any other market, the construction market is confidence-driven all the way. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded by NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. 
You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Alexia Russell produced this episode. Jeremy Ansell engineered it. And thanks to Julian Lays and John Tukey. Mā te wā. Mā te wā.